The N-OLED display in the Cadillac Escalade has 38 total diagonal inches of color display. So why do we give it a curve too? I guess you could say we like to bend the rules. The 2021 Cadillac Escalade. Never stop arriving. The N-OLED display in the Cadillac Escalade has 38 total diagonal inches of color display. So why do we give it a curve too? I guess you could say we like to bend the rules. The 2021 Cadillac Escalade. Never stop arriving. for listening to Uncle Sam's Soccer Podcast, keeping you up to date with the latest in American soccer. And don't forget to subscribe. Welcome to Uncle Sam's Soccer Podcast. My name is Stephen Jodder and joining me today as always is Armaka Fai and Jake Latrova. And on today's episode, we chat subs, canon, and adjustments. Listeners, if you haven't done so already, hit that subscribe button on whichever podcast platform you are listening to. Leave us a five-star review and follow us at Uncle Sam's Soccer Pod. We always enjoy your thoughts, so send them in. We know you listeners have done that quite a bit. Jake and Armand... USA versus Mexico wrapped up a soccer Sunday, which was fantastic. A little bit of everything going on that Sunday. But on today's episode, listeners, we are only focusing on USA-Mexico. We'll talk about what the Gold Cup means in, in its entirety on a later episode. But Jake, Armand, Jonathan Dos Santos gets the 73rd minute goal to give Mexico the 1-0 win in the 2019 CONCACAF Gold Cup Final in Chicago, a road match for the United States. Boy, was it something. What a match. I had the experience of uh, experiencing an atmosphere much like the U.S. was experiencing uh, at the place I was watching at because it was 90% L3 fans and 10% U.S. fans um, in uh, Dallas. So we all, I think, came into this match thinking that Mexico would win, right? But the way things transpired, it made it just a little bit more gut-wrenching. I don't know about you, Jake, but like I'm, I'm a little bit more like, it hurt a little bit more. There was definitely an intensity about this match that was missing from the last, gosh, I don't know, 10 games or so. Probably <laughs> dating back to that Trinidad and Tobago match. I, I think, no, since the 2014 World Cup. No, that's not. There was no, definitely no, no, intensity it, in that in that Panama no, match. No, 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 no. There was City. there was not intensity between the two clubs. There were just pure nerves in the match against no, 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 Panama no. and against Trinidad. Yes, no, no, the Sunday stop. final. No, no. The Sunday Listener, final was intense. Question of the day. <laughs> no, that oh, is not no. the question of the day. Jake, it was very intense, and it was the first match that was intense like that in a long time. We can agree on that, and. It was refreshing, was it not? Boy, was that a refreshing match. To see the U.S. in a, a play a match that meant so much. Oh, that was refreshing. At least from the men's game. Obviously, you know, the, the women with the World Cup. Different story. We're talking about the men here. USA, Mexico, at Uncle Sam Soccer Pots. Send your thoughts. Let me, let's start with this. Reading from Jeff Carlisle, ESPN.com, Dateline Chicago. Throughout this Gold Cup, 
United States manager Greg Berhalter spoke of nothing less than winning the tournament. Given the strength of Mexico's side, even one sworn of players such as Corona, Hernandez, Vela, and Layun, the odds of that happening seemed long. So the Gold Cup was always going to be about more than winning. It was going to be about gaining experience for the young elements of the U.S. squad, as well as a manager new to the international game. It was also about absorbing tough lessons. And boy, did the ones delivered in Sunday's 1-0 Gold Cup final loss to Mexico hurt. Guys, did the United States blow an opportunity against Mexico? Yes, I think so. Uh, I thought the game was a very winnable match, especially in that first 20 minutes. You saw, how, I think, Althor had that chance in that first 20 minutes, and they were all over Mexico. And I, I can honestly confidently say within the first 25 minutes, the, the U.S. played better than Mexico. I think this game was a lot more winnable than a lot of people expected. And I do think it was a, a blown opportunity because, look, what this does, what this win could have done is, you know, boosted the confidence, boosted the morale. And it might do that, but obviously it's not as stronger as a win because remember, Mexico is still without a lot of their key players. Uh, like a Carlos Vela, Chicharito, Chucky Lozano. All those guys are out. So if you get a win over Mexico, it doesn't matter who's on the pitch. It's a win over Mexico. I do think it was a blown opportunity just because of how bright the U.S. started off. No doubt, Armand. I felt the same way, too. You get the Altidore missed opportunity there in about the first 15 or 20 minutes. You had the Christian Pulisic. He had an opportunity there early on to to put the ball in the back of the net and was not able to do so. And it just felt like those were the two chances that the U.S. had to really make something of the match. There was another frustrating point for me later on in the second half where Reggie Cannon makes that makes that deep run from his own you know defensive third of the field into the attacking third. Mexico just gives them a ton of space. And instead of just just taking a shot from about 20 to 25 yards out. He then lays it off to Jordan Morris, who immediately turns sailed. the ball over. <laughs> Didn't he sail or, yeah, it over? He sailed it. He sailed it. Just a horrible, oh a horrible cross. God. And it, it, it was, you know, granted, that was that was a long shot for Reggie Cannon, but that's you have the space there. Mexico's giving you that. Take a shot from distance right there. Maybe, maybe you can beat Ochoa. And, and that, it just seemed like the U.S., there was missed opportunities or there were opportunities that they failed to realize that were opportunities where they just didn't even take them. They didn't take the chance. They instead just, it felt like there was a lot of times too where guys like Ariola or Morris would get the ball in the box and would take an extra touch or would make an extra pass. And, and, and Mexico was there to shut it down right there then after instead of just taking the shot. And that was what ended up being the most frustrating part of that match for me was just missed opportunities and failures to realize that, there are chances to be had here, and we're trying to get too cute with the ball. Yeah, Jake, blown opportunities. Listeners at Unksam Soccer Pod, I, I think it is an interesting match because going into the game or going into the tournament, if you had said the U.S. would make it to the final and play Mexico and they would lose one nothing in a scrappy game back and forth, you would have taken it all day. Right, Armand? We, we talked about it last week. We talked about, well, they could lose this game, but they could you could still walk away pretty happy with it. However, the opposite happened. They lost the game, and I walked away pissed. I walked away, 
I walked away mad. The U.S. should have won this game. I know, Armand, you said they could have in our pre-show notes. But I think they should have won this match. Those opening 20 minutes, the U.S. were all over Mexico. It should have been 2-0. I, I, and listeners, what, what's insane is that if you look at the stats in its entirety, it tells you, it paints a whole different story. Shots, 20 to 11 in favor of Mexico. Shots on target, 5 to 3 in favor of Mexico. Possession, 57% to 43 in favor of Mexico. Passes, over 100 more for Mexico. What's really interesting is there are no yellow cards or red cards in this match. Found that was a, an odd thing from the referee not to give out a card. There probably should have been one, right? Where uh, Guardado kind of like choke held uh, uh, McKinney. Yeah. The, uh, those memes on Twitter right now. Yeah. Um, but th- this is this is my point, Armand. I'm getting to this. Paul Carr on Twitter can't say the U.S. men's national team didn't have chances. Expected goals on 20 shots from Mexico is 1.13. Expected goals for the U.S. on 11 shots, 1.62. It it was right there for the taking for the U.S., and they had blown the opportunity. I I, I don't know how you walk away with this match with a moral victory because I don't think there is one in losing a final. Do, Do you really think there's a moral victory for the Golden State Warriors who just lost the NBA Finals? Do you really think there's a moral victory for the Buffalo Bills losing four straight Super Bowls? Is there really a moral victory for the New England Patriots who lost the perfect season? Is there really a moral victory for Ajax losing to Tottenham in the Champions League semifinal? No. So I, I where is this nonsense from people saying, well, the U.S. had some sort of moral victory? No. Watching that match, you cannot walk away saying, yes, the U.S. had some sort of moral victory. I'm about to be a contrarian, Stephen, and say what the stat you just presented does give the U.S. some sort of, I don't know if moral victory is the right word, uh, and obviously we're not looking ahead, uh, but some sort of optimism because you out you did outplay Mexico for the 25 minutes. The, the depth in, the, in this pool for the Gold Cup, it wasn't amazing, right? It, you have players like, you know, Daniel Lovitz and Jordan Morris getting starts. Obviously, that, that means the pool isn't that good. But you still outperform Mexico in a very crucial stand. Like we said, they present themselves opportunities. If you had gone into this match saying, oh, you know, United States get chances to win and they play better. And like you're saying, Steven, you're saying they should have won. Yeah. That's, that's yeah. very strong. And I think that does provide some sort of optimism surrounding the match. Sure, a winner or loss sucks. It really but, it but, does. But, but that's some sort of optimism right there. I yes, it, I no, look, I agree. It's there's some optimism taken away from the match, but I don't think there's a moral victory. I don't think that Christian Pulisic and Weston McKenney and Zach Steffen and whoever else is on that squad, Greg Berhalter, take some sort of moral lesson from this match. The, the entire point of this gold cup. And we'll we'll get to Greg Berhalter and his and the presser. He talked about how they they circled July seventh as that's when we're going to play to. That's great, but Landon Donovan on the Fox pregame show talked about how Christian Pulisic could start to really cement his legacy with a win tonight. And this is the blown opportunity. This is how I don't think you take a moral victory away from this match. Is that they lost the opportunity to develop and begin a foundation of winning. 
yeah, some of the tournament was ugly. But you walk away with that W, you say, you know what, we can win the tournament. For right From right now, as of right now, what you can walk away with, okay, the U.S. can play well in stretches. Yeah, they can compete with Mexico, who lose minus key players. But you walk away with a win? <sighs> hey, we just won the Gold Cup, baby, and we did not look well in periods of that match. In periods of that tournament, I I just don't see a moral victory there. Listeners, give us your thoughts. Question of the day: Was last night's loss to Mexico a moral victory for the U.S.? Let us know at Unc Sam Soccer Pod on Twitter. Jake, what are your thoughts on the question of the day? Mm, that's a tough one. That's a tough. I'm not a big fan of moral victories. I'm not a big fan of that. Now, if this U.S. team if this was a really young U.S. team, if this was made up of 18, 19, 20-year-olds or a good chunk of them, I might say, yeah, moral victory. A lot of young kids in this team, they took they took Mexico you know, to the wire. They kept it close. They were within a goal of taking it to extra time, and who knows once you get to extra time, yada, yada, yada. But I just... I don't know if it's a moral victory when you're... When some of the main components in your team, like Josie Altador, like Christian Pulisic, like Weston McKinney, like Michael Bradley, either have opportunities and don't finish, or just faded down the stretch and just 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 played poorly, like Michael Bradley did. Christian Pulisic, Weston McKinney, where were they in the second half? Josie Altador. I mean, the guy can only play sixty minutes, and then when he, he gets his one chance, the he, biggest he opportunity. I wasn't sure if Jossie Zardes was out there or not. That's what it looked like. <laughs> it might as well have been Jossie Zardes. Oh, you did enter that, the field. For me, and that, for me, is why I can't sit here and say that's a moral victory. Because the guys, the guys who had the biggest chances in this game, Pulisic and Altador, the guys you lean on the most didn't come through. They just didn't come through. And, average, that's, and that, for me, why is, is why I can't say that's a moral victory for them. Average age. For the starting 11 versus Mexico, 25 years, 175 days, 41 caps, the average. Kind of young, right, Armand? You would say that's a young squad. Yeah, that's pretty relatively young for an international, yeah. I so said, I guess I'm the idiot then. <laughs> uh, well, no comment there. Armand, what exactly went wrong, though? I felt like the U.S. did not adapt to, this is a really weird way of saying it, but Mexico just kind of stay in the course and poison the game. I mean, they flipped the wings at one point. And I was, you know, I was talking to a friend at the show, Joseph Lowry, about the match. And he, he asked me, he's like, what did Mexico do significantly different in your eyes that kind of changed the course of the game? I thought about it for a second. I was like, I mean, not much. It's very like subtle changes. And there were just times where the U.S., there was so much space. I don't know if you guys saw it, but the U.S. would get, you know, they would they were playing like a team that had possession, but they weren't getting possession, if that makes any sense. So they would be open, exposed in the middle. They shut down Weston McKinney. Michael Bradley looked a little lost. Jordan Morris was very inefficient, even though Reggie Cannon on his side was. And all those in that second half really combined, and Mexico just started pounding the U.S. Just... Just chance after chance, the U.S. couldn't get control of the ball for relatively, for maybe like 10 passes. They couldn't do it. They couldn't do it. And so some of the changes Burhalter made just were really like head-scratching, in my opinion. 
I don't think he adjusted well. And you know what? I mean, it happens, but yikes. That, that Tata showed, hey, I'm the experienced manager. I've been here, done that. This is what we're going to do. And I'm going to beat you. And that's how managers can win games sometimes, by making very small adjustments. Yeah, I definitely thought they got out coached there in the second half. And I think a lot of it can be due to you know, lack of depth as well. If Mexico didn't make any changes, how can you be out coached? We have to adjust the match, right? Right. But the, if, the, flow if... The, the flow of the ma- the flow of the match, if for example, if you're not getting possession of the ball, if you're not uh and if you're struggling, I mean it's obviously a very tough switch, but at some point you gotta say, Hey, maybe we shouldn't play we shouldn't play like we have the ball every two seconds and opening ourselves up. I mean, you guys saw it. I'm sure, Stephen, you saw it. There was massive gaps for these players, for the Mexican players to run through. The middle of the field, mm-hmm. oh, my God. They were outrun. The middle of the field was a domination by Mexico. But, but and, Go ahead. But my issue is with Tata and Mexico is that watching through the course of the match, what happened? The U.S. started brilliantly. They fell apart in the second half. And to me, at least, was Greg Brawlhalter didn't have the talent to do what he wanted because it worked in the opening 20 minutes when everybody was at 100% fitness level in the course of the match they, they wore off. And and to me, it's just that that Tata Martino sat there and was an evil mastermind. He played to his strength and just the U.S. kind of fell apart. To me, it wasn't like Greg Brawlhalter was all that outcoached. I think you blame I think you blame the players more than you blame the coach. And what you can blame the coach for is the the substitutions. But tactically, the, the setup for the US in the opening 20 minutes worked. And it was advantage Greg Brohalter in the first half, was it not? It was, but stuff changes, you know? Like you have to adjust to the, to, to the flow, flow of the game. I mean, look, if you're going to play like that for the first 25 minutes, don't, don't. It don't matter if you don't get anything on there. And once Mexico figured out how to handle that and cut off McKinney, mm. changes. But, just but, changes but blame the again. players there. It, it was it was Josie Altador that you you can blame. You can't blame Greg Berhalter for Josie Altador's miss, can you? No. It, it's it's a player's game that ultimately comes down to the players executing the coach's plan. And when you're given the opportunities as an opportunity can come to Josie Altador, a striker, and he whiffs on it, ugh. Yikes. Guys, let's get Greg Berhalter's thoughts. Hey, Greg, as you look over the whole night, do you think there is a gap at this point between the U.S. and Mexico and as you would like to see the team evolve over the next few years, what are the areas of improvement needed to get to that level? Um, you know, when I think about the game tonight, it, it was a, um, I think over the course of 90 minutes, Mexico was the better team. Having said that, I think we started the game really bright. We, we came out, we created some really good chances in the match. And um, I think what, uh, what we lacked was, um, I think, some of the calmness, some of the composure. Um, you know, we knew it was going to be a big event. We knew it was going to be a, um, a semi-hostile crowd. And I think, um, you know, that would, what I'd say, the calmness is what we lacked. And, and Mexico certainly had it. And, and they played um, well, particularly in the second half. Um, and, you know, but overall, proud of the guys, proud of the development this month. 
Um, we we had, we did make strides as a group. Um, the group became much closer. I think the the uh, the general understanding of of our game model is was much better um, over the course of this month. So we're we're you know in one sense um, you know we did make progress. Hey Armand, Greg Berhalter there in that clip talked a lot about composure and calmness. You agree with him? Yeah. At, at times, you know, just, they weren't. As you were kind of implying, they weren't kind of composed in certain aspects of the match in terms of you know dealing with the Mexico pressure and trying to do uh, this and that and, and adjusting and you know like they're Mexico is a very experienced team under well experience is the right word but they're a little bit older of an older team they've been in situations like this so a lot of those guys haven't been in a very big national team game like that. Right, like some of these guys haven't. Some have, obviously. Some haven't, and I think there was. But I do think it's a little bit of an excuse, to be quite honest with you. Um, you know, kind of deflecting a little bit off him. I don't. I, I don't think that played that big of a role, but I think it did play a little bit of a role into it. Do you think Burhalter, and we spoke about it, I think, uh, after the match against Curacao, where he thinks. Or you you say that he thinks he's the smartest man in the room. In the second half, him realizing I just don't have the players for this. I'm missing some key players. They're they're hurt. They're not on the squad. I just I just don't have the players for this. I set them up to succeed. They had their opportunities in those opening twenty minutes. They blew it. And after that, it was like, what can I do? I mean, at that point, you gotta set your players up. For, you gotta set your players up for success. If you're not achieving success. Your current thing, and you did that. You got, you got to again make it's just to make the adjustment. You know what? If the U.S. Yeah, isn't but, doing this, but you did, gotta, you, look, did they have the resources to make the proper adjustments? They did have the resources to make the adjustments. They didn't have the resources to play that style for the entire ninety minutes. Okay, Jake. Yeah, it's kind of the calmness thing. I I just think that's kind of bogus. I get it. It's a hostile environment, or I don't, I don't want to say hostile environment. I I saw that thrown around. Oh, hostile environment. Soldier Field in Chicago, Illinois. <laughs> How far is that from the border? God, who who from Canada? It's a lot. It's a lot closer to Canada <laughs> than it is to Mexico. I know that. Yeah. I just don't don't. Uh, don't give me the hostile environment. Don't give me the the the, the calmness. It was an intense match, yes, but this is, at the end of the day, played in American soil. You should feel comfortable. This wasn't at Azteca. You didn't have what a hundred thousand people sitting on top of you like you do at Azteca. Yes, probably Mexican crowd. Probably what eighty percent Mexican, twenty percent American. But at the end of the day, I just think it's a bogus excuse. I don't think Baralter made enough adjustments in the second half to give the U.S. a chance to to win this match in the final 45 minutes. I mean, Armand's talked about it. I, I don't want to come across as the guy who's defending Greg Berhalter, but I, I do want to be realistic about it. He, di- he did fail to make some adjustments, but he did set up his team to succeed, and I think the U.S. should have won. In that second half, Greg Berhalter made some interesting adjustments, though, and let's talk about them. He subbed out Jordan Morris for Christian Rodan in the 61st minute. 
Then three minutes later, subbed out Josie Altador and in comes Jossie Zardes. In the 73rd minute, you have to go by Jonathan Dos Santos. And then things get odd. In the 83rd minute, down a goal with, you know, seven minutes and change left. Out comes Tim Ream and in comes Daniel Levitt. All right, so what exactly is Greg Berhalter thinking here? Well, he he commented post-match on it. Greg, it seemed like in the second half, the, the game started to get away from you guys. You know, why did you think that was? And, and how did your, your subs, how did you try, try to combat that with the substitutions that you made? So, you know, it became a very vertical game and then it, and it opened up a lot of space. And um, we needed to avoid that by being able to keep the ball, by being able to, to move the ball side to side, get them moving more horizontally than vertically. We, we were rushing attacks in the second half, much too direct. Um, and it, it cost us energy. And, you know, you see, we didn't give up many good chances, but you see, you know, it resulted in a goal. So when we bought on Christian, the idea was to help us keep possession. It was to help us, you know, overload the central center of the field. I thought, you know, we had a difficult time in the center of the field tonight, and we, we felt like he was going to give us the help that we needed um, centrally. And I think he did well. And with Giassi, it was a case of, um, you know, legs, just getting fresh legs. It's very hard to press Mexico if you, if you don't have the stamina, if you're not ready to, to, to sprint really hard. And Josie put in a good shift. You know, we were using him um, a lot, and I think he, he, he did a good job. But we needed some legs there. And then in Daniel's case, it was, you know, at the end of the game, now we wanted width. Um, we wanted to move our wingers inside and, and get some get some crosses into the penalty box. We were willing to risk more, um, you know, staying it with a with a two and one in the back line, getting our fullbacks high, tucking our wingers inside, and, and trying to create pressure that way. Well, there you have it. Just need some fresh legs and some width. Armand, do you buy it? No, because a guy like Josie, who actually like, he stopped to talk to media after a match, he came out and said. They asked him, so what do you think went into how they manage your minutes? And he goes, I don't know. <laughs> and they asked him about his finish. He said, I feel fine right now. I, I, the role Dan was the one I can kind of rationalize, right? Because he wants to kind of pick up possession, have a guy who's comfortable in picking up possession as a center mid, usually with the sounders, and able to pick up possession and maybe control the game a little bit, slow things down. I understand that. It's head-scratching on me, but I understand it. The outdoor one... Ugh, I think I think they gave up on Josie too early. I think they gave up on him too early. I think he's fine fitness wise. I feel like they're freaking out a little bit. And they believe Josie gave him a better chance at that point. I don't. I also don't agree with that because Josie's just a better player than Josie. You wonder if they had a better forward, what would happen in that instance? And the Lovitz one, oh, that's that the one bad. I just can't. That's the one I just can't wrap my head around. I can't because why? Understand it from a from a theoretical point. You want to switch. Because essentially they're in a three back line position because Reem doesn't push up. So you switch to a two back line by sacrificing Lovitz. I don't understand why Berhalter couldn't have put on a more attacking guy, like as Jake will probably reference, a Tyler Boyd or someone of that pedigree. And you know what? You chase the game. You, don't care. you can't worry about, oh, what happens in extra time or whatever. You got to get to extra time before. You go chase the game. Let's say the U.S. scores. So they do. Then you can push Paul Ariola back to left back. He's played that role of DC United this year. Yes. Or if anything, Christian Roldan. And maybe you can flip Cannon to be your left back at that point. You can try these things. 
I just the Lobitz one is just it, to me it's just too conservative. And how can you be too conservative down a goal? You really just can't. And I just I I see why Burhalt want to do it, but again I think he just felt like he's the smartest guy in the room. And since instead of just being like, hey, we gotta get a goal, screw it, just throw whatever we can. I just I don't, I I feel like he didn't I feel like he didn't want to concede a, another goal rather than score another goal. If that makes any sense, it was too much like for like, right? He didn't make any adjustments with his substitutions. He just decided. Oh, well, they're out of fitness or low on fitness. Let's just put in some more energy and hope for the best, right? That That's what it feels like. W- were they really adjustments, Armand? Uh, okay, I think the roll down one was an adjustment. Although, because Jordan Morris is playing terrible, let's be honest here. The out to the roll one, I don't think was an adjustment. I think it was... I think they believed that there wasn't fit enough to go any, any longer. I think they could have let him gone a little bit longer, made the 70. I don't know. Maybe it was on instructions from Toronto FC. We don't know. And just the Lovitz one, I, I think in theory it was supposed to be an adjustment, but in reality it ended up just – I couldn't believe it. You're starting on left back. You're down 1-0, and you're starting on left back. And look, you, all you soccer woke people can tell me, oh, you, you wanted more width because you know, Remus – no, that you could do so much more. You gotta make sacrifices. Screw the system at this point. You gotta get a goal. You gotta have extra time, and then you gotta worry about what you can do later. I just, I don't get it. I know. I think Jake shares the same sentiment as me. How do you down a goal in a final? Sub on a left back. How? How is that a thing? This for a left to, back. For, for a left, left back. back. For a left back. For a left back. Down a goal with about 10 minutes to play in a final. These are the two questions I have, and maybe you guys can help me answer this. Is Tyler Boyd hurt? Do we know if Tyler Boyd's hurt? That's the theory. Okay, well, if he's not, then did Tyler Boyd sleep with Berhalter's wife? Because why wasn't he on the field? (laughs) I can't can't understand it. Like Armand said, I think it was punishment. I think it was no, punishment. You can't, oh my god! No, 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 you, no, 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 no! It's not. I don't agree with it. The carousel match because he was too shell. He was too selfish with the ball in that carousel match when, when oh he did god. start. And, and Berhalter was like, "No, nope, nope, can't do it." He got subbed off. Poor match. And I think Greg Berhalter was like, "All right, boy, I gave you your your chance. You performed well. Now you're falling apart." And eh, eh. this is the guy they convinced to change nationalities or make the FIFA switch from New Zealand to the U S and then they, and then they go three matches in, you know what? We're done with you. Let's get, we're, you're, you're too self. I mean, come on. He's the most talented winger on the U S right now. Let's rely on Daniel Lovitz. Let's rely on Daniel Lovitz. It's unbelievable. Like Armand said, and even if, even if the point was, well, if we get a goal and that way we have Lovitz in the field. So when we go into extra time, we're not in this awkward position. You had Ariola. Weston McKenney has played damn near every position at Schalke. I think he could probably handle playing fullback. Why don't you throw the kitchen sink at that point? It's well, that's ten exactly minutes. It. If or, you lose, or look if if you, you lose, get, if you go if you go into no extra di- time, you have an extra sub. Yeah, there's no difference losing two no, two nothing, three nothing, than there is one nothing. So throw the entire kitchen sink out there. I'm surprised he didn't make more of here's, an offensive push. Can somebody ask me answer me this too quickly here before we wrap up today's show? If Altador's fitness is such a concern, why is he even starting, starting. the first? At Jake, brilliant point. Why? It's a hundred percent good point. Great point, Jake. 
Because if if he if 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 the concern is he cannot go a full ninety, and and I guess he can't go what seventy minutes. It's a wasted sub. Why, it's a waste. Of, so why are you even? Well, not even that. Why are you trying to even extend him then? If if there's if there's a risk of or a thought that he can't go a full match, why are you even risking him going 60, 70 minutes? Zarda should have started that game, and then why you not sub him on? Yeah, yeah. super sub. Go, I need you for just twenty minutes. Just give me your all for just twenty minutes. That's that that makes zero sense to me. Yeah, no, none. Uh, listeners, add on Sam Soccer Pod. There will be more about this match coming later in this week. Uh, last point, thirty seconds. Armand, you cover FC Dallas, so you had a keen eye on Reggie Cannon, and he had a wonderful performance. Uh, does this make Burhalter's decision all that tougher when we were talking about that back line? Yes. Get rid of this Tyler Adams experiment and put him at the six. Um, if, if the way Cannon played was very good, and I think he deserves a second shot. Uh for Nations League, World Cup qualif- well, not may not World Cup qualifying, but Nations League and friendlies coming up. Um, and maybe, it, it, and I, it should at least tell Berhalter, maybe we got to switch from this Tyler Adams thing and maybe Reggie Cannon is good enough to take the keys and go from there. He might have been the best player on the pitch for the U.S. last night. I got a hot take for you guys. Ooh, hot take season. Let's go. Let's, let's end on a spicy take. Reggie Cannon effectively ended Michael Bradley's U.S. men's national team career. Oh, with transit property. Ooh. Ooh. Yes, I like it. Because and Michael Tyler Bradley Adams was poor weak. last night. Boy, was he Tyler, poor. Because of Reggie Cannon's performance at right back, Tyler Adams will be the number six moving forward. You might see Michael Bradley used as a sub here and there, but I think he effectively ended Michael Bradley's career starting for the, the United States. Speaking of Michael Bradley... Michael Bradley joined Kobe Jones, who we've had on the show, and Landon Donovan as the third U.S. men's player to reach the 150-cap milestone. Also, since 2000, the U.S. is 14-8-6 against Mexico. The U.S. is 19-35-15 against Mexico all time. So it has been, since the turn of the century, a U.S.-heavy outcome. But when it comes to... Gold Cups, guys. U.S. has only beaten them once in the final. Every other time, Mexico has taken it. And the Gold Cup count now. Eight for the Mexicans, six for the U.S., and then you have one for the Canadians. Listeners, at Unc Sam Soccer Pod, we want to hear your thoughts. Question of the day. Is there any moral win from Sunday night? At Jake Wachoba, at Armand Kafai, at Steven Jodrand. Love to hear from you. We'll be back. Until next time. The available AKG 36 speaker sound system in the Cadillac Escalade provides 360 degree sound, not just here or here, but everywhere. The 2021 Cadillac Escalade never stop arriving. Regina King for Cadillac Escalade. When people ask, Regina, do you like to compete? I say, bring it on. 
Those are the moments that drive you to achieve more. And when you win, you keep reaching higher. To me, that's what the Cadillac Escalade represents. It's always evolving in technology, in design, everything. Because success isn't the end, it's just the first step to what comes next. The 2021 Cadillac Escalade. Never stop arriving.